Can you hear me now? There. Now you can. Okay, now you can. All right, praise the Lord. Sorry about that. Hit the wrong way. Well, praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Philippians, chapter 3. We have, uh, over the last uh, several weeks, been really, in a sense, uh, doing a, a mini-sermon within, or I should say a mini-series within a series. We have... Uh, all year long, been ministering things concerning restoration, the restoration of all things. And uh, God is in the restoring business. I said, God is in the restoring business. Now, that doesn't mean that He's going to bring everything to back necessarily to the way you had it, but He's going to bring it back to the way He designed it, which is even better than you've ever had it. Praise God. Amen. Because once you kind of get it with, uh, you know, connect with what he has, amen, I guarantee you, you'll never be the same, amen? Hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. So we've been talking about the restoration of all things, and actually on Sunday, it's probably been focusing more about positioning ourselves uh, for restoration. And so what we did a few weeks back is we kind of shifted gears a little bit and started talking about, uh, really about pressing forward. And we kind of coined a word, we call it persistence, okay? Uh, you're probably not going to find that in the dictionary. Maybe someday you will. But right now, amen, it's kind of a coined word about, uh, you know, pressing forward with persistence and consistency, praise God, to get your answers, amen, to get your breakthrough, to get your, uh, that thing handled, to get your results, to get the answer, to get your restoration, amen. How many know there isn't going to be any restoration if you're not going to press forward? If you're going to quit every time the pressure's on, you're probably not going to see the results that you're meant to see. Are you still with me? Look at your neighbor, so you got to press forward. Hallelujah. So let's read our text uh, out of uh, Philippians 3, please. And we're going to go to like verse 12. And it says here, uh, verse 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. In other words, Paul said, I may not, may not have everything uh, going perfect yet. I may not have all the answers. I may, not, I may not have even done everything right. But I know one thing, I'm going to press forward. And I'm going to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. In other words, there's a purpose. Each and every one of you have a purpose. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Every one of us have a purpose. Amen. Somebody might say, well, you just don't understand. My parents told me I was a mistake. Well, that was a mistake for them to tell you you were a mistake. Are you hearing me? Because according to God, you have purpose. Amen. And regardless of what, uh, you know, the past, regardless of your family, regardless of whatever it is, and we're not trying to belittle any of it, we're not trying to dishonor any of it, we're just saying that in God, you have purpose. Amen. Verse 13, it says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. In other words, Paul's saying there's one thing I got down. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. If you want to move forward, you're going to have to let go of some things behind you. Come on now. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, press forward now. Now the word press just means forward pursuit. It means to drive with force. Amen. That's the way I drive, is with force. Anyway, we'll leave that alone. Anyway, praise the Lord. To extend consistent, diligent effort towards something. Amen. To extend consistent, diligent effort towards something. To press now, anytime, you know, you're going to reach for this victorious life that we have in God, how many know it's going to be a press? You're going to have to press forward. Amen. And, you know, we've talked about one week, we dealt with some things about, you know, you, unless you're willing uh, to confront things, you'll never conquer things. Come on. So when the pressure's on, you're going to have to press through. You're going to have to confront it and move forward, praise God. And anytime you do that, you'll conquer, praise God. Because you're called to conquer. I said you're called to conquer. You were designed to conquer, praise God. And anything that you resist, amen, will desist. 
According to the scriptures, if you submit yourself to God and resist your enemy, guess what? He will flee from you. Praise God. That's good news. And that's a promise. I said that's a promise. Amen. So you can stand on that. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Of course, we kind of zeroed in a little bit more on that last week about some things. Um, Praise God. How many know that God has, uh, really God only has one speed? It's called forward. Are you hearing me? God's all about moving you forward. He's all about forward. Amen. God ain't concerned about yesterday. He's trying to get his people to think the same way. All right. Now, there might be some good things back there. Uh, but uh, regardless, there's better days ahead. That's why we move forward. Amen. Now, last week, uh, we kind of uh, finished up. We kind of talked about some things. We came out of Romans 8, and we talked about that nothing, so no, no matter what kind of pressure comes your way, none of it can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And uh, so, uh, no matter whether it's physical pressure, whether it's people pressures, whether it's mental pressures, it doesn't matter, demonic influence, whatever it is that comes at you, that presses on you, amen, know this, that none of it can separate you from the love of God. Now, the word love is agape, is the Greek word, and it just means an unconditional love, a giving, amen, a benevolence, amen, and it's a consistency, praise God, that's aimed toward you, the love of God, amen. Now, in that same text in Romans 8, it says that all things are working together for good to those who love God. Now, of course, that whole text in Romans 8 is dealing with the fact that we walk by the Spirit, we think uh, Spirit, amen, we we live by the Spirit, we are led by the Spirit, amen, we draw on the Spirit, and if we keep doing that, all things are working together for your good. And it says, to those who love Him, that word agapeo, okay, so it comes out of the same root word, but it, re- it refers to a committed love. In other words, God's saying this. If you'll stay committed to this and keep doing this, my love will shine through. In other words, all that He's promised, that love that's there for you, amen, I guarantee you it'll happen. But you can't quit. No quitting here. Look at your neighbor and say, no quitting. There's no room for quitting. All right? We keep going. We keep pressing. We stay committed to this thing. We keep leaning on Him, trusting in Him, and we press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All right, so now we're going to shift gears a little bit again today. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews now. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews and chapter 12. Did you come to get something today? Amen. Hebrews 12, and we're going to go to verse 1 of Hebrews 12. Amen. Let me get there. Praise the Lord. All right. It says, therefore, in other words, when you see that, you got to stop and see what it's there for. And of course, it's there because in chapter 11, just got in talking about all the patriarchs of faith and why they are recognized uh, as men and women of God of faith because of their willingness to trust God regardless. Amen. Are you still with me? Every one of them have a testimony, amen, of them believing God Trusting in God, having faith in God, amen, hallelujah. And they showed that through their actions. Come on, somebody. That even though their back was against the wall, they still believed. Still with me? All right. So therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these, those that provide evidence, that's chapter 11 here, let us lay aside. So let us, now he's looking at us, let us lay aside every weight. I mean, no, there are things that become weights. The word weight here, it it literally means uh, mass, burden, hindrances, um, uh, even refers, even uses the word handicaps. Uh, These are things that, that try to hang you up, that try to bog you down, try to hold you back. So no matter how you want to title it, Whether you would say, well, that thing just becomes a limit to me or a a limitation to me or a handicap to me. Uh, That thing is is a weighty thing on me. It pulls me back and weighs me down. Well, let's let go of that mess then. Come on, somebody. So let's lay aside that weight. 
and the sin, the word also means offense, so maybe the mistake made or some kind of thing like that, something that's happened uh, that hangs you up. And it says here, a sin that so easily ensnares you, trips you up, wraps up and somehow pulls you down. Uh, you know, so it, it, it kind of, the impl implication is that it's something that wraps around the feet trying to pull you down. So you got weight trying to weigh you down and you got these offenses and things in the past that try to pull you down, wrap around your feet and pull you down and try to suck you under the bus. Are you hearing me? So he says, lay it aside. Look at your neighbor and say, lay it aside. Just let it go. Let it go, let it go. Yeah, that was just weak. That was horrible. Yeah, I think we should just close her up and go home. All right, let it go. Amen. Praise God. And then why? What are we supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to move forward. Huh? Let us run. With endurance, well, how I many know it's an endurance race? Yes. I mean, sometimes I wish it was a sprint. We just get it over with a day and be done. Yeah. But how I many know it's an endurance race? So that means you're going to have to stay at it. Come on, I said you're going to have to stay at it. So let us easily, uh, or let us run with endurance the race, amen, that is set before us. Amen. So he's obviously moving us forward. So in a way, uh, this is, uh, the writer is saying kind of the same thing that he was saying there in the book of Philippians. Amen. Let go of some of this stuff behind you. Press forward. Do what you're called to do. Run the race that's set before you, praise God. Verse 2, please. Looking, this is how it works. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the originator, the perfecter. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, all right? The originator and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him. In other words, He's your example. See, He had something to press through, but He was willing to look past it, amen, go on through it, praise God, and get the, get the job done. Are you still with me? Who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, well, you just don't know what I... Stop it. Come on. No boo-hooing. Well, we don't want to call the ambulance, right? Come on now. So he's saying here, despising the shame, he didn't let that bog him down, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, the job's done. Verse 3, for consider him. So in other words, this is the one we look to. I said, this is who we look to. We consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. And it says this, why? Because lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So, amen. I don't want to become weary and discouraged, so I'm going to consider him. I'm going to look to him. I said, I'm going to look to him. I'm going to consider him. Amen. So let's go back up here to verse 2. And we'll kind of kind of bring this out here, what we have for you today. Amen. If this thing's going to work, if we've got a race to run and we've got stuff to lay aside, well, the only way you're going to finish this thing, the only way you're going to really, you know, get the job done that you're called to get done is you're going to have to stay focused, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. No matter what you're up against, if there's, if there's pressure coming at you, if there's attacks on you, if there are things going on, we're not making light of it. We're not saying it doesn't exist. We're not trying to deny that there's something happening. What we're telling you that regardless of what you're looking at or what you're dealing with or how you feel at the moment, we still press forward. Yeah. Amen. That's what we do. But the way it works is looking unto Him. He's not asking you to do this on your own. I said he's not asking you to do this on your own. Let's see here. The, the Amplified Bible says, Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. Now, there's, a, there's actually two Amplified Bibles. I don't know if you know that, but there's the classic Amplified, which is pretty much most of us that are, you know, 
at least in this circle here, we, we used to you know, read out of, but now they have the uh, updated version of the Amplified, and that's how it words it. It says, looking away. Everybody say, looking away. So he said, it says here, looking unto Jesus, right? So that means you're going to have to look away. If you're going to look unto Jesus, you have to look away from something else, right? So if we're going to look unto Him, we're going to have to look away from something else. And it says, here it says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. Huh. Now, focus, in fact, uh, uh, the word looking here, maybe we'll come at it from this angle. The word uh, to look or looking here, aphorio, um, okay, uh, and it means to consider attentively or to focus upon. So it uses the word focus. Now, I don't know if you know this, but focus is a pretty key word in a lot of circles, a lot of your... Uh, um, motivational speakers, a lot of your, uh, you know, um, business gurus, all these people that talk things. And even nowadays, it's becoming a kind of, a, you know, somewhat of a buzzword even with, uh, with even the Scriptures because you, you see it all over. It's, the Scriptures are filled with, uh, with verses that deal with you staying locked on and focused, amen, and not letting yourself be distracted. Are you still with me? This word focus itself here, uh, if you look it up in, in a dictionary, it just means a point of concentration. It means the center of interest. It means to direct attention upon something or to be fixed upon or fixed on something. Okay, so which most, most people probably, uh, you know, figure that out. Uh, but you have to understand that focus, focus itself uh, is just as the word focus when you say, I'm focusing on something, it's not just about what you're looking at, but what you're looking away from. All right? Because, you know, that's, you know, he says, focus on me. All right? Focus on the author and finisher of your faith, which means then I can't allow myself to be focused on all these other things. All these other distractions. Everybody say distractions. Because that's going to be a, a, a key word for us today. All right. The word distraction. So really, in a sense, kind of the opposite of the word focus. It means divided attention. It means crowded mind. Have you ever had a crowded mind? Yeah. So... Uh, what we're called to do is to direct our attention upon Him and not allow our attention, everybody say attention, attention to be divided. So I'm going to ask a quick question here. You know, uh, who's winning in the fight for your attention? Or what is winning in the fight for your attention? Okay, uh, that's something you're going to have to, you're going to, have to uh, get a hold here, uh, get a hold of this. Um, see, if the enemy... Um, can't distract you, he can't destroy you. You know, your president, Donald Trump, uh, said that uh, about focus. He, in one of his uh, earlier books, uh, he had made mention about the, the topic of focus. And he said, the man or woman who focuses the longest wins. And I think he's proven that. Come on, somebody. Amen. There's just something to be said about it. And uh, so the topic of focus is pretty key. And so if you can stay focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, amen, the same way he stayed focused on what was ahead, hallelujah, and was willing to go through the pressure, go through the cross, go through uh, the shame, go through all that, amen, to obtain, amen, a redemptive package for you and me. He says, the same way I did that, I'm asking you to do the same thing. To obtain, amen, your answer, your breakthrough, your deliverance, whatever it is, are you willing to press on through, stay focused on me, amen, and not allow yourself to be distracted? And if you could do that, I guarantee you, amen, you'll get some answers, praise God. Everybody say, the restoration of all things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. That's what I want. How about you? Okay. Now, um, 
the New Living Translation, I, I, I guess I probably should have gave him this earlier, but uh, it, it says this, uh, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I like that. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. Now, he's your example, right? The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, the, the Passion Translation of this text, this verse 1 through 3 here, says that, uh, you know, this whole thing about staying locked on to Him, it says, it says then we will uh, be able to run life's marathon race. He called it, I love that, life's marathon race with passion and determination. How many know you should be running it with passion and determination? Amen. Now, this shouldn't, shouldn't be some kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, struggle. Amen. All he's asking, just press forward, stay locked on him, and you'll get this thing done. You'll be able to do it and enjoy it, too. Come on. All right. He also says in the, in the Passion Translation uh, that you won't become wore down, you won't cave in uh, under life's pressures, and you won't forget your destiny. Amen. I thought that was pretty good. Amen. The Message Translation uh, finishes up this text saying this, that if you'll, you'll keep yourself locked onto Him, that uh, it will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Hallelujah. I like that. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. So, I, I kind of like that adrenaline stuff. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So anyway, if we stay locked on, it'll literally shoot adrenaline into your souls. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, let's uh, talk a little bit about this focus and distraction thing. Uh, focus uh, and distraction, uh, both of them, you know, on, on two ends of the spectrum, so to speak, being focused or being distracted. But both focus and distraction determines direction. That's where they, they're, they're the same. So if you allow yourself to stay focused, it'll determine a direction you go. If you allow yourself to be distracted, it determines the direction that you'll go. Are you still with me? So that's pretty key here as we get into some of this, praise God. I think this here is a kind of a dust statement here, but, uh, but when you begin to lose focus or let loose on focus, it says that you'll, you'll be more susceptible to distraction. I think that's kind of a, a dust statement, right? But it's, it's, it, it's true. You know, you start allowing yourself to, you know, kind of waver a little bit on what you're being, what you should be focused on. It isn't long and you're going to be caught up with everything else. Are you still with me? Okay. So with that said, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, what the scriptures has to say about some things about certain distractions, things that kind of get in the way that stop your forward motion. All right. And so with that said, put uh, Philippians 3. Uh, verse uh, 13, thank you very much. Put that back up on the board, a text we read earlier, but let's look at it now. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now, we've touched on this just about every week that we've been on this, uh, in this text here. Um, and, and so what he's referring to here is this, your past. How many know that your past can be a major distraction. Now, nobody is designed to live life staring in the rearview mirror. I don't know. You know, uh, you, know you can go down a straight road, and, and you can kind of look up in the rearview mirror, and you can kind of, by watching the rearview mirror, maybe you can kind of determine, you know, stay between the lines kind of thing. But I guarantee you, if that's the way you're going to drive all day, before the day's up, you're going to ram in the back of somebody. Come on, somebody. You're going to somehow miss a turn. Come on, somebody. I mean, something will happen. Nobody's designed to live in the rearview mirror. You are not your past. I'm kind of hammering on this a lot, right? You're not your past. You are not uh, your mistake. You are not your history. Let it go. You want me to sing again? Let it go. Hallelujah. So uh, Paul said there's one thing uh, that I do. And now actually the word I do is italicized in the original text. It's not even there. But what Paul says is there's one thing. In other words, there's one thing I got down. Paul said I may not have arrived. I, don't, I might not have done everything perfect. I might even still be having to grow and develop a few areas of my life here. But I got this down. I know how to put the past behind me. And I know how to grab hold of what's ahead. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, let go of the past, will you? Hallelujah. Now, 
Uh, we bring that up because not because we're trying to, uh, you know, somehow or another, you know, get you to act like it didn't happen or somehow deny something that was back there or maybe what was back there might have been a painful situation or, or, or whatever. We're not trying to, uh, you know, try to mess with anybody in that sense. But you just have to understand that if you're going to constantly be back there living, you can't move forward. And if you can't move forward, there's not going to be restoration. There's not going to be a breakthrough. There's not going to be a result. There's not going to be the answer that you want. So you're going to have to learn how to say, you know what? Okay, that all happened. Fine, whatever. And move on. Are you still with me? All right. So I kind of put a... Uh, a few statements together here, and uh, because we're going to have to learn how to shift our focus uh, from the past to the future. In fact, uh, put that Second Corinthians uh, five up on the board real quick. I mean, you got you became a new creation, right? If anyone is in Christ, anybody in Christ? Yes. All seven of you. Wow. Uh, is anyone in Christ? Yes. Am I going to have to do an altar call? Is anybody in here in Christ? Yes. All right. Now, if you're in Christ. If you're part of the family, if you're in that kingdom, that makes you a new creation. Literally means a new species of being. Whether you know it or not, you're an alien. And some of you, it's obvious. So you're just here temporarily. You're part of a whole other kingdom. You might be in the world, but you're not of the world. So you're a new creation. But then it says, even in that text, that all things have passed away. Behold. Stop and take a look. Hey, ho, all things have become new. Amen. So you got to let go of the past. Amen. So here we go. All right. So stop yielding to condemnation. And start yielding to justification. And we're talking about letting go of some things in the past. So part of that is, there's probably mistakes back there. There's probably things back there you're not so proud of. There's things back there maybe that you wish somebody wouldn't bring up. Come on, somebody. There might be something that happened. And guess what? That might even have been yesterday. Okay, who blew it yesterday? Raise your hand. Okay. What did you do? Well, no, no. <laughs> See, the point is, you can't yield to condemnation and shame and guilt. You've got to let it go. Either Jesus paid a price for it or he didn't. Either what Jesus did was enough or it wasn't. See, you have been justified, amen, because of the blood of Jesus. A price was paid. Amen. So you have to focus more on the fact that you are now redeemed, justified, the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did. Amen. Free from yesterday, free from yesteryear, free from yesterdecade. Hallelujah. You're going to have to get, get past it, praise God. So you're going to have to focus. For you to focus more uh, on Him and, and things ahead means you're going to have to focus more on justification than you do on condemnation. We all got stuff back that we wish we wouldn't have done or wish it would have done different or been different or, or whatever. But if we're going to live by that, then I guarantee you none of us are going anywhere. So you might as well just put her behind you and move forward. Put it under the blood. Look at your neighbor and say, put it under the blood. Praise God. Amen. One brother calls it slinging blood, man. We're slinging blood. I know it's kind of a crazy picture, but that's a, amen. Blood, blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo, the blood of Jesus. Amen. Put it under there. Amen. So, uh, so you have to focus more on justification than you do on condemnation. Also, here we go. Here's another one. Stop repairing your past and start preparing your future. Now listen, because sometimes some of you keep wanting to go back there and fix everything. Knock it off. Somebody say, listen, I got myself into this mess and I can get myself out. That's ignorance gone to seed. Come on. How about just leave it back there? Let God do some things. Come on now. And if God chooses to fix something 
that happened back there, then so be it. Amen. If not, I'm moving forward. Amen. I'm going to start preparing for what God has for me tomorrow instead of worrying about what happened yesterday. Smile real big at your neighbor and say, "Uh uh-huh. All right. So that's another one. Here's another statement. This one actually JFK used in one uh, one of his speeches. He said, stop fixing the blame for the past and start fixing the course for the future. So in other words, there's another thing. Sometimes back there, we want to use it as our excuse, something to point blame at. What's the reason I am the way I am? Because it wasn't for my mom and my daddy. I'll tell you what, right? And if everybody, if everybody would have loved me, when I got supposed to be loving me. <laughs> Stop trying to find a blame for the way things are. Amen. Again, we're not trying to, uh, to somehow act like it never happened. And we're not even denying the fact that it, that it you know, it did, it did, did happen. And maybe something back there shouldn't have happened. Maybe something back there should have never happened to anybody. But you went through it. So what are you going to do? You're going to let that thing yesterday, yesteryear dictate where you're going tomorrow? No. Let it go. Stop looking for some place to place blame or an excuse. Amen. Let's start fixing the course for where we're headed for the future. Amen. Are you still with me? All right. Praise ye the Lord. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Are you glad you came out this morning? I'm not boring you today, am I? Because I wouldn't want to bore you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. And we're going to go to verse 4. Of course, in context, he's talking about uh, you know, being a, a good soldier of Jesus. Amen. And he says in verse 4, uh, no one, 2 Timothy 2, 4 says, no one engaged in warfare. Literally means a military campaign. In other words, something you're moving forward. You got, you got, you got purpose. You're heading towards something. Amen. You're in, in a place of warfare here. Uh, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself. Literally, it even refers to being distracted. With the affairs of this life. Everybody say the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier, says the rest of the verse. Okay, so this one here uh, is the affairs of this life. How many know you can get distracted with the affairs of this life? It literally means practical matters. So don't let your past uh, be something you get distracted with because it'll stop you from moving forward. But you also, just in everyday life, moving along, can get so distracted with just everyday stuff, you don't move forward. You're distracted. Are you hearing me? Some people get caught in a rut. Now, years ago, I heard a definition of the word rut, and I don't know, uh, you know, that's a word we use back in the Midwest, you know, and... Uh, so I don't know, maybe it, whether it's something that's used out here much, but uh, the definition of a rut is a long grave. You get caught in something, and that's just where you stay. And a lot, of, a lot of times, that's why you're not moving forward, you're not accomplishing, you're not gaining ground. Most of the time, the reason we get in ruts is because of things called practical matters. Every day, get up, go shower. We all do everything the same. You could do it with your eyes closed. Right? Walk out. And if you got one of them coffee makers that makes it on its own. Right? Come on. Off to work I go. Huh? Hi-ho. Hi-ho. Right? Anyway. Anyway, praise the Lord. So no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life or practical matters. Uh, um, uh, I believe it's Mark 4 and 19, uh, says, uh, uh, Jesus uses this phrase. He says, he calls it the affairs, uh, uh, or probably the cares of this world, or the cares of this life. All right? And the Amplified in that same text calls it the distractions of the age. Just another way of saying it. 
Uh, I think one translation refers to business matters. So I think it's worthy of bringing that in here. So whether we're talking about practical matters or we're talking about business matters, you can let those things become such distractions. The whole time you're supposed to be focused on the Lord. Come on. Don't you think the Lord knows what you have to deal with? Somebody said, well, you're just telling me that, you know, just forget about the kids and forget about cooking supper and forget about doing the laundry and, and forget about, you know, going to work. And don't you know, we got a job, you know. I know. Well, don't you know I got a family? I would have never guessed. <laughs> don't you think the Lord knows you have a family? Don't you think the Lord knows you have a job? Don't you think the Lord knows that you have bills to pay? Yeah. Don't you think the Lord knows that, you know, you want to, you know, put food on the table for your little babies? Come on, somebody. Don't you think the Lord knows you want to put food on or clothes on their back? Don't you think that, not food, right? Clothes, right? <laughs> Don't you think the Lord knows? Amen. Right? So wouldn't it pay to be more focused on Him and let Him lead you concerning practical matters and business matters? You know, I use this a lot of times, but I think it's, it's worthy of bringing up. Do you know, most of the things that we need uh, miracles for, we need a breakthrough for, most of the things that we need prayer for are things, if we would have just heard God a month ago, yeah. we would have heard God six months ago. I would have just heard God yesterday. I would have just heard God, you know, back before I signed that. I would have just heard God before I agreed to that. If I'd have just heard God before, you know, I, 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 I walked down that, that side. If I'd have just heard God before, come on. Most of the things that we need breakthroughs and miracles for is stuff that really comes right out of things that we didn't hear God about. We got involved. We did. Next thing you know, we're in the mess we're in. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. So this is why we stay focused on Him. Why? Because He knows you got practical matters. He knows that you got business matters. He knows there are things. In fact, God wants to guide you in all those affairs, praise God, and direct you. Why? Because He wants you to be successful, praise God. God isn't uh, denying the fact that you have babies to take care of and, and, and things to handle and things to do. God ain't denying. He just says, why don't you let me lead you here? So stay focused on Him and not on these practical matters or the affairs of this world or this life. Are you hearing me? Are you still with me today? Now, Bruce Lee makes a statement. Not with us anymore, but uh, he had a few statements. But uh, when it comes time to focus, he had a lot to say about. But I thought this was a good one. He said, a successful warrior. Look at your neighbor and say, that'd be you. A successful warrior is nothing but an average man with laser-like focus. So in other words, he says that any man could be a, a good warrior if they just stay focused. Amen. So, amen. Another statement here, praise God. Are you okay with all these? You know, it's kind of, you know. The reason men fail is broken focus. In that same text, it says this, that we can trace any failure to a loss of focus. It's the same thing in our walk in God. You don't stay focused on Him. It's a matter of time, and that thing's going to overwhelm you. And the next thing you know, you're being drugged under the bus again. And you're going to get mad at God and mad at the church and mad at the preacher and mad at your spouse and mad at your boss and mad at your kids and everybody else. When all along, we just should have just stayed focused. Look at your neighbor and say, keep looking to him. Amen. All right. Go to Matthew 14. Let's look at another one here. Matthew 14. Still with me? Matthew 14. Now we got, we got some boys in a boat. And the storm's blowing and here comes Jesus walking across on the water. They're not sure what's going on. They call out and Jesus answers. And so anyway, we're going to pick up right there just for sake of time. And we're going to go to verse, uh, verse 29 of Matthew 14. And so 
Jesus talking to Peter, because Peter you know, said, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. He says, come, right? And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, I looked it up just to make sure, because you never know, you know, maybe somebody was, you know, just feeding us a line here. Maybe he really didn't walk on the water. Maybe he purposed to walk on the water. How many know he walked on the water? He walked on the water. So this man named Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw, everybody say he saw something. When he saw that the wind was boisterous. So, so remember, focus isn't just about what you're looking at. It's about what you're not looking at. So a split second ago, he wasn't looking at the storm. The storm didn't change. It was just as, just as rough when he was in the boat as it was when he got out of the boat. But he's heading toward Jesus, and obviously staying focused on Jesus, he's a, he has the ability to walk on the water. He gets his attention off, looks at the storm, and what happens? He begins to sink, okay? He begins to sink. So, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? All right? That literally means to take on a second thought. That's what that word doubt means. All right? So he got his attention off of Jesus. He's no longer focused on Jesus. He's focused on the storm. So how many know sometimes storms in life can get your distraction? Now, the best way I could say when talking about a storm in life, it's not dealing with just practical affairs. We're dealing with these things that came unexpectedly. Come on, somebody. I wasn't planning on this, but here it is. Now I'm in the middle of something. Here it's going on. It's trying to consume my time, consume my, uh, my household, consume my life, trying to consume my prayer time, consume. I, 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 I lay down thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. Come on, somebody. If you don't watch it pretty soon, that storm, that turmoil, that problem, that issue, whatever it is, is trying to consume your attention. Now, the only way through the storm is to stay focused on Him. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. He's not denying the storm. You know, He didn't come out there and, and say, Whew, this storm's bad. <laughs> he walked right on through it. Amen. Is that, you know, what's going on? Jesus answers. He said, if that's you, bid me to come. Well, okay. What's he going to do? Say, no, 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 no. <laughs> you ever get that? It's like, what's he going to do? Lie? No, it ain't me. Stay in the boat, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, you got to kind of, you know, whatever. So, you know, he's not going to lie. So, yeah, it's me. Okay, well, come on then, you know. And, I, you know, and I always use, you know, I, I don't believe, I really don't. Now, like I said, we might get to heaven and he might show the re instant replay of it because I'm sure that's there. And uh, we'll probably see the instant replay of what happened for Peter. And I don't think Jesus dragged him through the water back to the boat. Right? Isn't that kind of like a wrong picture, right? You're like, ah, I don't believe it. I believe as soon as he cried out, Jesus grabbed him, praised God, back up on top again. Amen. Walked him back to the boat. But then he, he, he rebukes him. And you think, I mean, you think he'd, he'd chew out everybody in the boat. But he rebukes him. Why did you doubt? Why did you... Why did you get your attention? Why did you allow that second thought? Why did you allow yourself to be distracted with that? You were right. You didn't look what you were doing. Right? I mean, now, I'm not making this up. That's, that's what he said, right? Okay, so, uh, you know, so obviously a storm in life can be a distraction. Come on, somebody. Okay, uh, Tony Robbins, okay, one of those uh, uh, motivational you know, speaker guys, amen, said that your life is controlled by what you focus on. When you focus on problems, we will have more problems. But when you focus on possibilities, we will have more opportunities. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's another one. Focus on your potential instead of your limitation. 
You know, you might be in the middle of whatever it is going on, and you might feel limited. You might feel hindered in some way. No, let's, let's stay locked onto the Lord. Amen. Remember now, staying locked onto Him, hallelujah, keeps you in a realm of possibility. All right? Amen. So if you're locked onto Him, then what you're doing is giving Him place, amen, to show Himself strong. Amen. He's not denying you're going through a storm. But let Him help you through the storm. Are you still with me? And so, remember, these things become distractions. And so you can't move forward when this thing is consuming you. And is now your attention is now on it instead of where it should be. And then what happens? We just we kind of prolong this mess. What's the scripture talk about in 2 Corinthians? about uh, you know, this thing being but for a moment. So... I would just assume leave it a moment. So it's real clear. It says, it says you stay looking unto Him, you stay locked onto Him, and it only becomes a moment. But when you get your eyes off of Him, you turn your moment into a year. You turn your 11-day journey to a 40-year wilderness experience. That's what he was bummed. They wouldn't stay locked on. They wouldn't, they wouldn't continue. He, he, time after time after time, he provided, he provided, he provided. He showed, amen, that I am that I am. And they'd go, well, we probably should go back to Egypt. It was so much better back there. It's like, how soon you forget, Right? Am I right? But, you know, we've all been guilty of that kind of mess. Well, you know, back in them good old days. Really? Dude. We lie to ourselves, Huh? Yeah, back then, you know, I was a champion. That was awesome. Biceps the size of my thighs. Chest stuck out to here. I was amazing. And your wife's in the background going, lie it's a lie but how you can deceive yourself amen come on somebody well it's no different here you know you stay locked onto him don't let the storm get any bigger than it should be are you hearing me all right praise the lord let's look at another one let's go to luke chapter 10 all right we're talking about distractions things that distract us our past the affairs of this life the storms in life these unexpected problems, these all become distractions. Here's another one, all right? Luke 10, and let's go, we'll just pick it up in Luke, uh, or pardon me, verse 40. And it says that Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, of course, what's going on is Jesus is, is at the house and, um, with Mar- Martha and Mary, and uh, Mary and the others are in the other room, the next room over, and sitting at the feet of Jesus as He's ministering and teaching. And so Martha is out in the kitchen, and she's all upset and bummed out because she's the only one out there working. So Martha was, what? Distracted. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the ends of the earth is in the living room, sitting on the couch. And you're worried about whether the silverware matches, whether the turkey's going to be burnt. The one that could say, give me a leg and I'll turn it into several. Y'all want a drumstick? I'll get you one. Anyway, Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, you think serving, this is the same word used throughout the Scriptures when He instructs us to be servants, to serve. We're called to serve. We're the light. We're the salt. We're the difference makers. We are called to serve one another. We are called to serve Him and serve, hallelujah, the body of Christ. We are called to serve even at capacities. We're reaching out beyond our own four walls to serve. We are called to serve. We are servants. Have I made my point? 
We're servants. But yet there must be a time when you can get distracted with much serving. So Martha, because she's now distracted, she decides she's going to interrupt Jesus. Jesus, hey, hey, yo, focus here. Oh, yeah, it's on. Lord, (laughs) she calls him Lord. Lord, I'm talking to you. Do you not care that my sister, who's sitting in there right now, mm -hmm, has left me to serve alone? It's a key word. Therefore, tell her to help me. Verse 41. And Jesus said, Mary, you lazy bum, get your fatty in there and help that woman. Remember, Martha was distracted. And Jesus refused to be distracted. He said, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed right now. That's what he's talking about. And Mary's chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, she ain't going to lose what she's getting. All you're getting is stressed out. So you're in here all distracted with your serving. And she might think, well, no, I just have one problem. She won't help me. No, no, you're worked up and stressed out now, and that's what happens. And you know as well as I do, everyone in this room, that when you get stressed out, it ain't one thing. I mean, pretty soon you pull out the list, man. See, your name's on it too. Mm -hmm, That's what I'm talking about. See this one too? So what is it? It's your list. So the many things, amen, are there because now... You're stressed out. Why? Because you're doing it alone. Now, when it comes time to service, everything works better when everybody's involved doing their part. But I believe he's not referring to the fact that Mary should be in there with you. He's referring to the fact that you're not focused on what you should be focused on. You're distracted. And all you can see is that you're all by yourself. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Nobody knows. Isn't that what happens? I mean, you're all stressed out. Kids and the the spouse and the work and the job, and everybody expects me to do everything. I'll tell you everything. (laughs) So Jesus said, if you'd be doing what Mary's doing, you probably wouldn't be having this problem right now. Because she chose the good part. And she's not going to lose what she's getting. So stop doing all this stuff alone and... Stay focused on where you should be focused, and we'll take care of all that mess later. Don't worry. Turkey won't burn. It'll be all right. Come on. We'll all help each other. We'll get this table set. Don't you worry about it. I can help you fill them water glasses. No big deal, but you come on in here. Stay focused on what you need to stay focused on, and you might be amazed at how life will get today if you stay focused on the right thing. Amen. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Amen. All right. Winding down here. All right. So, Zig Ziglar says this. He says, here's a major problem. It's called lack of focus. Not lack of time. Because we all have 24 hours. 
It's not a lack of time. It's a lack of focus. That's the problem. I like this one. The main focus is to remain focused. Jesse Duplantis says this. He says, focus eliminates confusion. Sometimes we're all confused and caught up and stressed out about everything because we're not staying focused where we need to be. So now everything, there's all these question marks. Just stay locked on to the one that knows it all. And you might be amazed at how all those question marks get answered. Are you still with me? All right. Let's go to one more. James 1, please. James 1. You still, you still hearing? All right. I didn't run you out now, right? You're with me? All right. You didn't tune me out or anything, right? Okay, James 1. Okay, one more here. Okay, so there's the past. There's... Um, you know, the affairs of this life are practical matters. There's the storms of life or unexpected problems. And as we just talked about, praise God, this serving alone. In other words, trying to do everything in your own strength, amen, can be a distraction. All right, so James 1, here's another one. You got to kind of, somewhere along the line, you got to come up with, you know, you got to bring this out. Blessed, verse 12, James 1, 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Everybody say temptation. temptation. Now, for whatever it's worth, temptation is a distraction. There's no other way to define it. It is a distraction. Okay. But the man who endures temptation, when he has been approved, will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted. Now, if you ever let this come out your mouth, you're violating something here because it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. A lot of people say, well, you know, God put that in front of me to show me something. Nope, 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 nope. That ain't how God does things. God ain't trying to tempt you to fail or tempt you to choose something other than life. Come on, somebody. All right. Just because that can be real dangerous. Verse 14. Let each one, or pardon me, but each one is tempted. Uh-oh. How's it happen? Well, when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So you get tempted when you're distracted. See, it becomes a distraction. So look at your neighbor and say, no more of that. So each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when desire has conceived, it then gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Of course, it goes on saying not to be deceived about this. Amen. So you might say, well, I I don't know how that happened. I know how it happened. You let yourself get distracted. Next thing you know, you're looking and meditating on the wrong thing. Come on. As it says here in verse 14, you get drawn away by your own desires, and then you're enticed. Okay? Deluded or deceived, it also means. Okay? So your own desires. The word desire there means lustful longings. Are you still with me? All right. So it's a wrong focus. Creflo Dollar says this. He says, focus determines your weight of importance. Focus determines your weight of importance. Amen. So how important is that to you? Well, obviously it might be real important. That's why you're putting all your attention on it. Or is he? You know, somebody says, I just love the Lord. Well, then stay focused on him. Well, the Lord means everything to me. Then why don't you go to church? Well, I just love the Lord. Well, then why don't you read His Word? Well, I just tell you, I just love the Lord. Why don't you spend time in, in prayer with Him? Well, I just love the Lord. Am I, making my point? See, how important is He to you? If He's that important, then, then give Him your attention. Put your focus on Him. Stop you know, getting caught up with all this stuff on the side over here and this stuff over here. Well, you know, I, I just don't know why it happened. No, I know why it happened because it's a lustful longing. You like it, don't you? <laughs> Let's tell the truth. You like it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. See, you, you gave your focus over here because you like it. And now you're enticed, and now you're being drugged under the bus. Right. And you want to blame everything else as your problem in it. You just like it. It's important to you. 
What you focus on is what you pursue. What you give your attention to is where your heart is, Scripture says. Amen. So focus always determines direction. All right? Eve, in Genesis 3, was distracted with the tree. It was pleasant to the eyes. She got distracted and her husband right there, right along with her. Judges 14 says Samson was distracted with the beauty of women. Handed over his call, basically. Even though he had a great thing that happened a little bit toward the end, but in all honesty, he surrendered his calling and his gifting because he wanted to chase women. 2 Samuel 11 talks about how David was distracted with the beauty of Bathsheba. Word says very clear. Now, he finished his call, praise ye the Lord, but he was distracted. The Word said he should have been doing something else, yeah. and he's out hanging out on the roof, you know, all bored out of his gourd, and pretty soon it's like, woo! Looky, looky, right? And like the person says, it's all right to look, you just can't touch. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're distracted with it, it determines pursuit. Now you're going after it. 1 Kings 11 talks about Sam, or Solomon. Pardon me. Solomon became distracted with the allure of his wives. And the word said that his wives... <laughs> I thought you were smart, dude. Okay, the word says that his wives lured him. Come on, and he was distracted. The word said his heart was bent toward their gods, their idols, all this stuff. And the word says, goes on to say then, and his heart did not remain loyal to, the God, to his God as his father David did. Now, David made mistakes, some big ones. But somewhere along the line, right, he, I mean, when the prophet confronted him, he, he repents and makes this thing right and changes and starts moving toward God, and he finishes. So regardless of your past, we're not here to chew on any of that. We're just saying, listen, mistakes have happened. Maybe something's back there, but let's deal with it. Let's move forward, praise God. Let's let go of that stuff. Let's not be, in, be suckered and, 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 and somehow deceived to be pulled back into that mess. And if you're going to stop giving it attention, I guarantee you that thing will go away. But when you keep giving it attention, it's going to suck you right into it. I thought this was worthy. I put 2 Chronicles 16.9. I just throw that up there. And, um, but it says that the, uh, for the eyes of the Lord run to and forth upon the whole earth. What? To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Of course, this is talking, this is actually out of a word of rebuke to Esau, the king of Judah. Okay. And he says, but you've, you've done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall, not have, or you shall have wars. In other words, you didn't remain loyal to God. And this is what's happening to you now. Okay, but this, let's take the, take the meat out of this, and that is this. God's looking to show Himself strong. God wants to show Himself strong. God wants to show Himself. He wants to show off for you, praise God. He wants to show you what He can do. He just wonders, is there anybody out there? Like, I mean, His eyes are looking, man. I mean, it's, like, it's like, almost like, man, there's got to be somebody out there. There's got to be somebody out there that's going to have a heart that's loyal toward Him. Some translations use the word perfect or complete or whole there, and it's, it's what it means, but it refers to being single-hearted, and it means something about being constant or unswerving, or I love this, or fixed in view. So God says, if I could just find somebody out there that remained focused on me, I could show myself strong on their behalf. They stop being distracted all the time. So I thought to myself, self, let's stay focused. 
on the Lord. Instead of being caught up on all this stuff of yesteryear and all the little issues that try to pull you this way and that way and the practical matters and sure not temptations and all that mess. Stay focused. That's why you open the Word. That's why you pray. That's why you go to the house of God. It's one of those reasons. Amen. A lot of stuff happens when you come to church. Amen. One of them is it keeps you or helps keep you focused. Amen. Some of you, it's, it's a decontamination station. That's why you heard those things when you came through the doors. You heard that. Psh, 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 psh. You heard that? You heard that, right? Amen. One of the reasons for the house of God is to keep you focused. Amen. Did you get something today? Come on, give the Lord a praise. Amen. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Hallelujah. Father, once again, we give you praise and glory. We're thankful. Amen. For what you're doing in our lives. You are the author and you are the finisher of our life, of our faith. Amen. And our walk. Hallelujah. We look to you. We, we choose to stay focused on you. And we choose to avoid all the distractions. Lord, you know what we're going through. You know that situation. You know that circumstance. You know that, that, that pressure, that issue, that storm. You know all the stuff that I'm warring against right now. And so, Father, I just stay locked on to you, and you can help me through it all, praise God. And with you, praise God, there ain't nothing I can't do. Because in Christ, I can do all things. Hallelujah. And I give you the praise, and I give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, turn to somebody. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.